Hey guys, welcome to the first in-between episode of the Rugby Strength Coach podcast. The reason that I've decided to do this is for a few different reasons. One is that it's just a straight steal from Tim Ferriss because I'm lazy and unimaginative. The second is that I'm struggling to find the time to write as often as I would like or even to record and edit videos to put up on the blog. So I'm going to do this to try and take its place and be as efficient as possible with how I use my time. And the last reason is that I get a lot of questions that get sent to me via social media like Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and I thought tackling the questions in this fashion is going to allow the greatest number of people to benefit from uh, hopefully any any value that I'm able to give to people rather than it just be limited to one person. So that is the purpose of these in-between episodes which I'm going to release in between uh, the longer episodes that I do where I speak to other coaches. So the first question I'm going to tackle comes from Phil via Instagram and he says The main issue uh, in my setting is time. I only see the athletes in the weight room and due to class and other restrictions. We train three times a week in the off season, two times a week in season. I also am not able to work with them over the summer. So starting in September is our off season stroke preseason. The coach just informed me I will have them for three weeks before the first game. I'm just wondering if you have any suggestions to make the best with the very, very limited time that I have. So to kick this off, I'm going to borrow a thought experiment that I I think I first heard from Dan John. And it goes like this. Imagine if I I tasked you with trying to optimize the performance of a sports team or an athlete from any sport, but I only gave you 15 minutes a week. What would you do with that time? And most coaches are already in the mindset of, you know, I do a certain exercise. I would do this. I would do that in the gym. But actually, it's a flawed thought process because obviously the most important thing in any sport is to practice your sport and to prioritize that in the preparation because you can do whatever exercise you want in the gym but if you're not practicing your sport you're going to suck once you've established that that is the most important thing then you get to extend that time in your mind what would happen what would happen if i gave you an hour or two hours or three hours and whatever order you reintroduce elements into the training process based on an increased amount of time available to you you have basically established what is specific and what is going to transfer to your sport and what should be prioritized if you do not have an abundant amount of time available to train your athletes so i would encourage you to do the same with your sport i'm going to assume right now that you have a lot of technical tactical training time available because the coach obviously runs the program and he's probably going to cover his ass first and make sure that the guys have all that time available to train. So when you say the guys have limited amount of time to train, I'm going to guess that you're speaking about your role as a strength and conditioning coach and physical preparation. How do you prioritize within a program of physical preparation, what you're going to do with your guys and when? And to decide on which elements are going to be most specific and offer the greatest return on the investment of training time and effort for your athletes, you need to think about the ultimate goals of the program and then work backwards from there. To me, the ultimate goals of the program is to maximize the ability to produce force in the dominant movement patterns of the sport or position, to maximize the mechanical efficiency with which to apply that force, and to maximize the metabolic capacity of the three energy systems to fuel that activity to permit the greatest possible intensity, frequency, and sustainability of high intensity efforts. What do we mean by the dominant movement patterns of the sport? Well, typically it is sprinting, and normally one other category of movement that may be tackling, rocking, mauling, scrummaging, uh, jumping in the line out, uh, changing direction, jumping for high balls. But what we can definitely agree on is that all rugby players must be able to sprint 
in the interests of brevity, I'm not going to go into all of the other different movement patterns. I'm just going to concentrate on sprinting for now. But if you have a limited amount of time, what activities are going to allow you to sprint with more intensity, greater mechanical efficiency, and improved metabolic capacity? And well, the obvious answer is sprinting. A good basic sprint training program for rugby is going to increase force production capacity just by doing it because it's, it's by nature a maximal effort. Learning how to sprint is going to enhance mechanical efficiency and hopefully decrease the risk of non-contact injuries, decrease the energy cost of activity, and increasing maximal sprinting speed is going to increase the speed reserve. That is the difference between the speed of the game and the maximal capacity of the athlete. So indirectly, by implementing a well-designed sprint training program for rugby, you will also increase conditioning for the sport. So if you have limited time available, sprint training is the first thing that I would look to include in a program of physical preparation for rugby because I'm not aware of any other form of training that is going to allow you to hit all three of those key factors in a program with one exercise in itself. For example, if we look at a, a basic barbell squat in the gym, by all means, yes, it is going to increase your potential to uh, apply force, but it's going to do absolutely nothing for your mechanical efficiency in sprinting nor is it going to increase your speed reserve or improve your metabolic capacity. So if you have limited time available, it's actually quite a poor return on the investment of training time and effort. Now, another reason that I would look to incorporate sprint training is nothing that I can validate really with hard science, but definitely I can, I can attest to this from my own experience, from the experience of other coaches smarter than me, uh, most notably Charlie Francis who said speed will increase weights but weights don't necessarily increase speed and that is when you pay attention to increasing maximal acceleration and maximal velocity in rugby players you will find that strength tends to go up with it so it's almost like a, a rising tide raises all boats uh, it is true that in the earlier stages of the career you will see transfer from the gym to the field in terms of speed but in my experience this only lasts for the first few years of training and ultimately, we still have to sprint as rugby players because there is an inherent risk in sprinting in terms of hamstring injuries, calf injuries, quad injuries, and so on. And I don't believe that we're going to be able to fully mitigate for these unless we perform sprint training with athletes from a very early age. And as we know, availability is the best ability of all. Injured players do not win games. Injured teams do not win championships. So your first job as strength and conditioning coach is to make them robust to injury and keep them on the field of play. Now, I would say... Two days a week of sprint training, about up to 30 minutes each, is probably sufficient to see some decent improvements in your athletes in terms of their acceleration and VMAX. So once you get any additional training time on top of that, I would look to go down a level in terms of specificity. If anyone wants to read up more on what makes an exercise specific to rugby, read up on Verkashansky and Anatoly Bondachuk, dynamic correspondence. But basically, in a nutshell, some specialized developmental exercises which are going to assist in the development of sprint speed are things like resisted and assisted sprint variations, intensive plyometrics, intensive jumps, intensive medicine ball throws, and also some specialized strength exercises which share a large degree of dynamic correspondence to the sprinting action. And those criteria, of course, are the magnitude and direction of force, the contact time available, the, the movement velocity of the segments involved, the regime of muscular work, and the energy system responsible for producing force. Working backwards again, if you have even more time, then you might look to incorporate some specialized preparatory exercises. 
These are exercises which share slightly less dynamic correspondence to the action, but still serve to prepare the body for specialized developmental exercises. So typically it will share uh, the joint actions and muscles involved, but maybe different contact times, different uh, angular velocities, different regimes of muscular work. Using the example of sprinting, this may be stuff like uh, extensive plyometrics, extensive medicine ball throws, and general ballistic movements where we're moving a moderate load at a very high speed. So for example, uh, ballistic exercises like the jump squat, trap bar jump, speed deadlift, banded kettlebell swing, anything like that. If you really want to use the Olympic lifts, you can. Um, I'm not a fan, but they would definitely fall into that category. And then lastly, if you find yourself with time remaining, that is when you would incorporate general preparatory exercises. These are exercises which you would not expect to have any direct transfer to the specialized movement on the field of play. And they serve simply to lay the foundation and prepare the body, make it robust to injury to allow you to use more specific means down the line. And whilst there is no clear dividing line between what is general and what is specific, this will typically be a, a weight room based program that looks to just strengthen the whole body and doesn't necessarily share a large degree of dynamic correspondence to the sprinting action. So what I've just outlined there may actually run quite counter to what a lot of coaches would do, which is whenever they have limited time, they cut speed first and they make sure that they absolutely get their weight room time in. My opinion is that you should do the opposite. Speed should be the very last thing to go because it offers such a return on the investment of training, time and effort because it has such massive transfer to the field of play and because it cannot be replicated anywhere else in the program. So whilst the coach may call it weight room time in your schedule, I would try and be sneaky and get your guys outside to try and sprint as much as possible. If you have some time left over, look to utilize some specialized developmental exercises in the form of intensive jumps, plyometrics, medicine ball throws, resisted sprint variations, and specialized strength training drills that are gonna have a high degree of transfer to the sprinting action. If you have a bit more time, bring in the specialized preparatory exercises. If you have even more time, bring in the general exercises. And now I'm going to ruin everything I just said and say that there are a couple of caveats to this. One is obviously if the weather is not on your side and you cannot get them outside to sprint, then you may have to get a little bit more creative, either doing resisted sprint variations inside or putting in a greater volume of specialized developmental exercises simply because you do not have the space or ability to sprint your athletes. But my guess is that unless you live in Siberia, that is going to be the exception rather than the rule in your situation. The second caveat is that if you're dealing with athletes with a very low training age, you will still see transfer to high intensity movements on the field of play from general weight room exercises. And it is going to be in your interest to use those for as long as possible before they stop transferring to the field of play. And then you can utilize more specific exercises down the line. If you utilize the most specific exercises from day one, there is a chance that once they stop working, you have no aces left to play and you're actually going to stunt the development of your athletes in the long term. However, you're dealing with, uh, I believe, college age athletes. They're going to have a couple of training years under their belt already. So I don't think this applies to you. If you were working with athletes that were younger, for example, high school or um, junior high school, you know, middle school athletes, then absolutely I would say concentrate in the weight room because you are going to see that across the board improvement. However, that's going to stop working eventually. And when it does, I would advise you to follow the thought process that I've outlined previously. So that's it for today. I'm going to wrap up this first in between episode. If you would like any of your questions answered in this kind of format, please feel free to drop me a line on any of the social media platforms. My name on there is uh, Rugby Strength Coach. 
Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or you can email me at kit at rugbystrengthcoach.com. And as the questions come in, I will try and tackle them. Thanks very much.